0: Thursday and early Friday we spent the day promoting farming seeking pledges of support from the public for 24 hours in farming. The agricultural world took to Twitter and Facebook and the rest of the social media platforms. Was it effective?
1: To see the breadth and range of people and farmers who got involved sharing their story. We even had have- uh, back in from Prime Minister Boris Johnson.
0: I'm delighted to be joined today by broadcaster, writer and countryside lover Ben Fogel for a chat about the country, farming and the smell.
2: I like that organic kind of farming smell, which obviously peaks and troughs throughout the year. <laughs> and many of your listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about, the kind of muck spreading period. It gets a bit fruity.
0: And we'll get updates from the fields as harvest gets well underway, or does it? Kit Dickinson from Openfield is here later with a markets and prices update. And, of course, we'll see what the weather holds for us in the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, I'm Steve Orchard. Let's start with a look at the week's farming headlines. Great news for the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network and for all of us who use its services. They've received a grant of £80,000 from lottery and government funds from the Coronavirus Community Support Fund. Their services are being called upon more and more and the money will help LRSN continue their excellent work to support mental health in Lincolnshire's rural and farming communities. They're also looking for a new member of staff to start in the autumn. They have a vacancy for a PR, events and administration manager. There's details on their website, lrsn.co.uk. Newly released sales figures have shown a boost in retail sales of fresh lamb in Britain during the spring and early summer. Consumer spending on lamb products increased by 19.2% and high street butchers saw an increase in fresh lamb sales of over 45%. But malting barley demand in the UK was down nearly 30% year on year in June, highlighting the continuing effect of coronavirus on the brewing industry and therefore, farming. And next generation salad potato variety Jackie is on track to achieve 2 million tubers per hectare, bringing with it the potential to become a new market leader. Paul Coleman revealed the trial data while demonstrating Crop Foresight, an app managing potato crop yield during AHDB's Potato Showcase Week. Let's turn our attention now to 24 Hours in Farming. From 5am Thursday to 5am Friday, farmers and all involved in agriculture were setting light to social media, tweeting, chatting, uploading videos and pictures about farming and seeking pledges of support for the work we do in farming from the British public. David Lowe uploaded a video of his first job of the day, loading Feed Barley. Rotam tweeted pictures of the team working. Bill, who farms in Uppingham and Rutland, showed himself checking the lamb's weight and condition for the market at uh, Melton next week. Openfield, AgriHub, Farm Safety Foundation, the NFU, Manor House B&B and so many more got involved. And the team behind 24 Hours in Farming had a very busy day. Morrisons are big supporters. And the Farmer's Guardian, of course. Ben Briggs is the editor. Ben, how was Farm 24 for you?
1: (laughs) Farm 24 was uh, an amazing day, as it always is. It it, it genuinely always takes me by surprise. I think I have that journalistic cynicism, really. But when you put on a day like uh, that, using the hashtag Farm 24 on social media to see the breadth and range of people and farmers who got involved sharing their story. We even had uh, backing from Prime Minister Boris Johnson. So it was, uh, yeah, it was another fantastic day and it really showcased the the best of British agriculture and why farmers are so proud
0: of the industry. And you were looking for pledges of support from the British public. Do you, have you any idea how many you got?
1: Not at this stage, no. But I think, um, as we've discussed before, it there's a feeling at the moment there's a greater appreciation for, for farmers and what they're doing brought about by the coronavirus pandemic. There's a real sense that farmers are feeding the nation and they do go above and beyond to get that, that food from field Um, into supermarkets and into other retailers so it it was just a it was just a fantastic day and I think there was a bit more optimism amongst farmers than there has been in previous years and there was just a a real celebration of everything agricultural which was fantastic to see. We set off the day uh, trending at number one which was fantastic probably because farmers were tweeting uh, when nobody else was up, really, but uh, we we, <laughs> we stayed there throughout the day, and that was the thing, you know. Even at midday, we're at number two or three, and it it was it was just absolutely brilliant to see. And I think that just just being in those charts, just showcasing British agriculture and showing to a wider audience what it's all about, you know, it really does. Kind of um, dispel some of the myths and stereotypes around farming, and, and shows how important the industry is, and and how modern it is as well. And I think that's a crucial thing is as we try and tell our story and also attract people to the industry as well.
0: No, it's absolutely brilliant to see. doing it again next year.
1: yeah it'll be back. Um, um, the the team genuinely, it's a twelve month planning process to get it all all uh, all ready and going. And uh, I've just got to pay uh, tribute to the team at Farmers Guardian. And, and our parent company, Agri Briefing, because they uh, some people worked very, very long hours yesterday. So, uh, fair play to them.
0: Ben Briggs, editor of the Farming Guardian. Well done to you and your team for uh, yet another incredible 24 hours in farming. Thank you. Gainsborough farmer Charles Anion. What were you doing for Farm 24?
3: Well, basically, as I do every year, I, I see Farm 24 as a wonderful, uh, you know, opportunity. To showcase our industry to, to the general public on on social media and on Twitter, so I, uh, you know, obviously posted lots of lots of photographs of harvesting in previous years, um, you know, some Lincolnshire sunsets just to show off our wonderful county because we got some wonderful skies in this county, um, you know, the wonderful wildlife we've got in Lincolnshire, which is as, as a result. And um, you know of of environmental measures on the farm, and you, you lives quite happily next to next to food production. So uh, that's basically what I did, just to, just showing our fantastic industry off uh, to to the people round round Britain and the world. Really,
0: we're trying to spread the message about farming, but also we want the public to make pledges.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, obviously the British British food. Uh, British produce is produced to some wonderfully high standards, and uh, we we would like the British public to to, to get behind us and um, you, you know buy our produce because at, at the moment there is a danger with with everything that's going on uh, in trade talks that um, potentially we could be could be undercut by foreign imports not produced to as high standards. So we've got to we've got to um, convince. The British consumer that uh, our food is the best and safest in the world, and um, persuade them to buy it because it's not a given that it's not a given that they will or or they should. But uh, we we've just got to tell them why they should.
0: Do you think uh, the public understand the journey that food takes from the field to the plate?
3: I, I, I many do. I think I think we're a lot further on than 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 we were so five or ten years ago. But uh, there's still a lot of work to be done to 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 convince well to 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 educate people you know where their food does come from but um, I, th- I think we're we're in a much better place because I think I think the way we produce food in this country we've got a lot to we've got a lot to shout about you know we're very environmentally aware we produce it safely using safe methods and um, yeah no, I think we've got a lot to shout about and I think we have got a receptive public so um, yeah yeah no I think I think work to be done, but um, I don't think we're doing a bad job.
0: Charles and Ben and everybody involved in 24 Hours in Farming, well done. Let's keep the positive message going. In a moment, we'll welcome broadcaster Ben Fogel, but first, as the combines start to turn, for the most part, let's make a quick trip around the farms for an update, starting with Ledenham farmer Andrew Ward. Morning, Andrew. How's it going with you?
1: Yeah, morning, Steve. We we uh, are OK. We've started harvesting wheat a couple of days ago, on the light land up on Lednam Heath, and to say the yields are disappointing or are disappointing is a is an understatement. We the first field we did was uh, wheat drilled middle of January, and it was spring barley last year, so it was always going to be challenging to get a decent yield, and it actually did um, 4.3 tonnes per hectare.
0: What would you be hoping to get out of those fields then in a, in a normal year, if there is such a in thing? In a
1: normal year, with, with an adequate rainfall in April and May, and bearing in mind this, this is sandy soil over limestone, so it does need moisture continually on and off throughout the growing period, we'd normally expect anywhere up to 10.5 tonnes per hectare in a good year.
0: So you, you're down at about half, aren't you, really? We are half and, and, and less than half in
1: that first field, yes we are, yeah.
0: Is that down to the weather earlier in the year, you know, the very heavy rains and then the long dry spell?
1: Uh, Yes, it's absolutely everything to do with the weather, really. We should have got that land drilled in the autumn and we didn't because it was wet. And January, was was, there was a a little window. Um, It went in quite well, but then the dry, April and May, really absolutely did cane the crop and and it uh, it thinned out and went because of the dry.
0: So how much have you done so far? We have
1: only done about 120 acres at the minute and uh, because the vast majority of the farm uh, is down to spring crops we've only got another 20 or 30 acres we can do and then we're going to be stood for probably a week maybe two weeks before we can get it to more so it's going to be a very long harvest for us well into september
0: Colin Jackson from PJP potatoes what's the spud situation
4: the chip shops are definitely much busier than they were previously um I would suggest that most people's uh, trade is at sort of 70, 80% of where they would traditionally be at the moment. Um, The problem we've got is a bumper crop this year, particularly from the West Country. So we've got a crop which is probably 120% of where it would normally be, consumption being, as I say, perhaps 70 or 80% of where it would normally be. So we've got a surplus, really, of best part of 50% there at the moment. So... um, there's a lot of crop which is not being used as fast as it's being produced.
0: Now, last time we spoke, you said there was still quite a bit of a carryover from last season's crop. Has that gone now or is it still hanging around?
4: No, most of the carryover is now gone. There's one or two bits and pieces, but generally speaking, the carryover is gone. So we're all on to the new season now, which is obviously good. The last bits of old crop, most of them have gone for stock feed now because the new season is a, it's generally a much better user, you know, using potatoes. So, um, so yeah, at least that one's away.
0: And how's the new crop looking quality-wise?
4: Quality is looking pretty good, particularly on this eastern side. Um, the West Country did get a lot more rain than us, particularly earlier on in the uh, in the spring. And so they've actually suffered a little bit with um, certain bacterial issues and black leg, this kind of thing. So uh, we're finding that I think the quality of the eastern side is better than the west. Um, that's slightly reflected in the prices. I mean, the West Country prices are down as low as... Well, I've heard sort of 40, 50 pounds a tonne, but um, certainly an average of 70 to 80 pounds a tonne across on the west side. Whereas we're sort of maintaining more 90 to 110, 120 pounds a tonne across on this eastern side.
0: Sean Sparling on his agronomy reports been talking recently about potato blight. Has that been an issue for you?
4: um we've not seen a massive issue on blight uh this year it's uh, something obviously people need to be very very aware of um at all times but uh, generally speaking it's humid conditions um that bring that on and of course we are still very dry at the moment but uh, people certainly need to be well on top of their spray programs
0: and how far on with lifting are you
4: um, not very, because of this, uh, backlog that we're seeing of, uh, on the demand side of things, um, I would say that we're slipping back. We're probably three weeks behind the normal schedule that we would see at this time of year.
0: Colin Jackson of PJP Potatoes, many thanks once again for joining us on the farming programme. No problem, thank you. And to Charles Anion again, you're
3: not quite there yet, are you? I've been looking at, in fields to see whether the combine will go and it's quite obvious it won't. Uh, crops just aren't really ready. It's on slightly heavier land and, you know, the weather hasn't been ideal but most of the rape round us has been cut. It's just ours seems to be hanging on, frustratingly.
0: When do you think you'll get started then?
3: Oh, I imagine back end of the weekend, really, hopefully. It's just uh, twiddling our thumbs at the moment. It's uh, it's a bit frustrating.
0: Mm. Have you got any other crops that are approaching ready to go?
3: Not really. Winter week, we'll have to start thinking about probably the end of next week, but... Um, yeah, no, we, we haven't turned a wheel combine-wise yet, regrettably. Very it's very frustrating it. to see to see your neighbours and, uh, and lots of people on social media going, and some people have finished down south, and uh, we're just waiting to go.
0: Thanks for the updates, Charles, Colin and Andrew. Where are you with Harvest 2020? Do get in touch via the website or the app, or tweet at Farming Show. Now, two-thirds of the British public say lockdown has made them appreciate the countryside more and are planning a post-lockdown visit this summer. And half of Brits would like it if their town or city smelled more like the countryside. Arla has released a limited-edition home fragrance to bring the sweet yet earthy aroma of the meadows into non-country homes, but without the pungent poo. To talk about the countryside, farming, and the smell, I'm delighted that broadcaster, writer, and countryman Ben Fogel joins us this morning. Ben, morning! Welcome to the farming program. Um, Thank you. You're an outdoorsman, to say the least. Uh, I think you've done pretty much everything that it's possible to do out of doors. Is it the smell of the countryside that attracts you?
2: I, I think it's a it's a, a heady mix of all of the all of those things, as in. It's the smell, it's the landscape, it's the people, it's the farming, it's um, the sites. I I think that's what makes uh, rural Britain so unique. And and I think farming is a really important part of that. And when we go back to the smell, obviously, smell can be quite divisive for some people. And when I talk of the smell of the countryside, I, I like that organic kind of farming smell, which obviously peaks and troughs throughout the year (laughs) and many of your listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about the kind of muck spreading period it gets a bit fruity and I as it happens I don't mind that I think it's it's an integral part of it but obviously for many people it it is pretty unpleasant it makes your eyes water um (laughs) but I still I I still think it is it's it's a kind of part of of the great British landscape but that that's one of the reasons why Arla who I've been doing a little bit of work with uh, the dairy cooperative have actually been working with some of their farmers uh, dairy farmers to uh, to try and encourage the uptake of of alternative muck spreading to try and improve kind of air quality so instead of the traditional uh, muck spreading techniques which your, your listeners will be um, very aware of f- flaying the, the muck out of the back of a, uh, a, a tractor um, they're they're trialling alternative methods which involve almost injecting it into the ground. So I, I spent a day actually with, uh, with with one of these machines. It's pretty extraordinary. A series of of, of um, wheels cut a series of of little kind of very narrow trenches uh, into the soil, and then inject the muck into the ground. And and the the difference in air quality is pretty astonishing so i think i think this is what's interesting about this is it's it's just one of the ways that farming is being considerate and thoughtful about their immediate impact on the area around them
0: yeah over the years you know an awful lot of movements been made in agriculture towards sustainability carbon neutrality techniques that benefit the environment and as un patron of the environment that must please you an awful lot
2: Absolutely. I think, you know, farm, farmers get a, hard, um, get, get a hard time sometimes, but they're merely supplying the produce that we all consume. And I, I think we have to be realists that humans, we beings, have an impact. Whatever we do, we will have an impact. But it's about being really clever and creative and considerate with, with how we can either minimize or, or reduce that impact. And I think the farming industry has listened. And and I think this is just one of the examples. The machinery doesn't come cheap. Um, And yet farmers are willing, a a lot of farmers, not everyone, not everyone can afford to do it. um, A lot of farmers are listening to the feedback that they're getting. And what what I'd add with with this alternative technique, which has been around for a little while now, but but, um, the the uptake is increasing, is that not only does it improve the the immediate air quality, but obviously it reduces waste and therefore emissions that come from that muck um, embedded within it are also reduced because the wastage is is so much less so it actually genuinely does have an environmental um reduction as well as 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 an ambiental one and and i think that's this is kind of symbolic of of what i personally have observed the farming industry doing uh a great deal of across this country they're aware of of how um consumers uh, are passionate about the environment passionate about knowing where their produce comes from and and the impact it's having, and and they're listening.
0: Now, Arla have produced this scent, this home fragrance, uh, after a a survey found that uh, nearly half of people would like their town and city to smell a bit more like the countryside. The countryside can get a little bit ripe at times, can't it? But uh, I'm assuming this scent has taken out some of the less attractive elements of the smell.
2: I think it's fair to say that the uh, the scent is muck-free. So think of, you know, a a little bit of hay, a bit of organic matter, um, moss, stinging nettles, uh, wildflowers. It's it's got a a lovely sort of authentic countryside smell, like, like I say, without the muck.
0: Writer, broadcaster and country lover Ben Fogel is with us today on the farming programme. Many people, Ben, have said they are missing the countryside. Might this scent being produced by Arla help?
2: We're in interesting times now. All of us have just had 120 days or so of, of lockdown where many of us have, have been uh, isolated from rural Britain. Uh, and from the countryside. And, and I think you you miss what you don't have access to. And a lot of people have suddenly realized, actually, the countryside is this extraordinary place of smells and colors and riches. And and uh, and uh, in fact, the study from our also showed 68 percent of us really have missed it and and, and are hoping that, you know, post lockdown, we can actually um, reengage with with rural Britain, and I, and I think this diffuser that they've come up with is just a way of being creative. Smell is so evocative, um, and for many people, a smell is a way of, of almost visiting somewhere vicariously. A bit like looking at a photograph. I, I certainly, w- in lockdown, when I was behind behind doors and, and windows of our house, I, I found myself kind of returning to some of the, the wild, the rural parts of the world through memory, through photographs, through video. And I think smell is an often overlooked medium. So I think if if you can actually genuinely take a little bit of a, a little bit of the countryside smell into people's homes, it is it is actually a, a way of of connecting from behind closed doors.
0: Can't beat a bit of petrichor. Eh? Is this actually going to be available? You know, genuinely available for people to buy.
2: Well, I think well, let's see what people. <laughs> make of it hopefully people will absolutely love it there'll be a huge demand and and um you know this really will be available on a a mass scale it's available in small quantities direct from um, arla's face facebook page right now um, but if enough people decide that um, this fragrance of the countryside, that's really been worked, they, they, they've really worked on this very hard. So I, I, I think it's a lovely smell. If people, um, you know, think that this is a way forward, who knows, maybe maybe this will be rolled out across the country on a more permanent um, system.
0: Now, as you mentioned, many people are uh, missing the countryside, an awful lot of people planning to try and get out to the countryside once things are a little bit easier unfortunately not a, not everybody's treated the countryside properly have they gates being left open rubbish being left behind and so on
2: people need to respect the countryside it's in in many parts of great britain it's it's a working landscape and uh, i i spent a lot of my childhood on working farms. So I've kind of grown up with, with these very um, rigid sentiments about closing gates and respecting um, the, the kind of law of the countryside, dogs on leads when you're around farm farm animals. And I think a lot of people, especially as, as they're, you know, looking at staycations and staying put, maybe aren't as aware of, of the kind of unwritten rules and etiquette of the countryside so again if any of your listeners um uh, you know w- want some advice there's plenty online um about how to be soft with your your footprint when when around working farms and again my my, my advice to everyone is just be very considerate about those who are using the landscape as as their office as well as uh, the landscape for holidaying but i said th- you know i think it is important that we all use the countryside i think it's important the, that we have access to all of the footpaths but of course we those people that that um, are, are visiting the countryside also have to be deeply respectful take your rubbish home and and be considerate about where you park your car um, don't block gates and, and and don't forget to close gates
0: one of the issues we've had quite a lot recently in Lincolnshire, well, not just recently over the years, but uh, it's come to a bit of a head recently, is that of fly tipping? And even Princess Anne has been uh, commenting on how awful this is. It's something we have really suffering from in Lincolnshire, unfortunately.
2: I do, and, uh, I, I'm down in Buckinghamshire, so a, a, a little bit further south, and, and we've had exactly the same um, all around our, our part of the world. And I don't know, I, I find it a very, very strange phenomenon if if we can even use that word um i think it's deeply disrespectful to to everyone i think it's one of those selfish things that you can do but i think we also need to try and root out why people would do it in the first place i think we need to think about um how we dispose of different things access to um sites where you can get rid of rubbish um legally Uh, I I, I don't know enough about the the, the sort of litter refuse business to be able to um, know exactly what is available right now. But I think we need to get to the bottom of of why people would do this in the first place to try and um, to try and stop people doing it. Because I think it is a, a, a sort of an alternative litter pandemic that is affecting the whole of the U.K., and, and it's just deeply disrespectful to those that live, those that enjoy and those that work in, in rural Britain.
0: Absolutely. Um, from a personal point of view, any more Mr. Dog books on the horizon? I was asked about this the other day by a younger listener who knew I was going to be talking to you and said, when, when's the next Mr. Dog book coming out?
2: The next Mister Dog book is coming out. Uh, well, actually, the the last one, Mister Dog um, and a Dear Friend, came out uh, about a month ago, and and actually the next book will be coming out uh, at the beginning of of next year. I'm I'm in the midst of writing it now. It's it's a series of children's books for sort of eight to ten year olds. Um, actually, a bit a bit earlier. Maybe we'll, we'll go to kind of five to ten year olds. And I've loved writing them, and and they're all about the British countryside. Really, they're. They they follow the story of a um, a, a dog uh, called Mr. Dog, geniusly, and and it's his encounters with uh, with wild animals all across the UK, and, and and there's lots of kind of synergy with the farming community, with rural Britain, and, and I've loved writing them, and uh, and and I get some great feedback from um, from younger readers. So uh, so um, anyone that hasn't uh, hasn't read them can can look out for them now.
0: They are certainly lovely books, and and yet well-loved by the youngsters and and their parents, I have to say. Ben Fogel, thank you so much for joining us on the farming programme this morning.
2: My pleasure. Lovely to chat.
0: To the agricultural markets and
5: prices now, Kit Dickinson from Open Field. good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. This week has been mixed on the wheat front, trading within a £5 range. And on the back of this, and good forward wheat prices, the question has been asked several times – Whether the price of wheat will get to £200 a tonne for feed? Well, given the cost of imports and how cheap maize is currently, the chances of this happening are very slim, especially as big crops have been forecasted in America, Canada and Australia. We should see more details of these crop sizes next week when the USDA report comes out. With plenty of old crop now carried over and consumers having cover for August and some of September, we could see the prices starting to slip Is certainly something to be aware of. But on a more positive note, although there are big crops out there, not everyone is in the same boat. A German statistics office reported that the wheat-planted area could be lower than the previously expected 2.8 million hectares, as opposed to the 3.1 million hectares last year. And the Romanian Agricultural Ministry have forecast their wheat crop to be 5.6 million metric tonnes, substantially lower than the 9.4 million metric tonnes seen last year due to the drought. So not all doom and gloom. Moving on to all seed rope. Currently, cash values remain in a steady position. But with this, we will see everything change after the USDA report on Wednesday and see what the Chinese soybean stocks are and what their crop release figure is going to be. 500,000 tonnes of all seed rape is the figure being reported this week. This is the amount we will need to import in order to maintain the same throughput on the crushes as last year. The crushed earth has now been reopened and more will see demand to the market, which is obviously a good thing. Moving on to spring barley. Spring malting barley in the south is well underway now and we are seeing yields between 3.75 tonne a hectare and 8.5 tonne a hectare. So a very large range and quality seems to be varied, but the initial reports indicate two thirds are making a 185 nitrogen. In the Lincolnshire area, some spring barley has been cut, but not enough to get an idea of the yield or quality. Some crops are still very green and look weeks away from being ready to combine. The consumer is sat on the back foot currently and will not be buying, waiting for more barley to be cut. There is no rush and there will be plenty of barley out there so they can pick and choose the samples that they specifically want. Limited interest on the forward markets, but this could change once harvest has been completed. Moving on to prices this week for feed wheat, August is one hundred sixty to one hundred sixty two. November one hundred sixty two to one hundred and sixty four. February one hundred sixty four to one hundred sixty six, May one hundred sixty seven to one hundred sixty nine. Milling wheat prices looking further forward are currently twenty five to twenty seven pounds. Oil seed rate for August three hundred and twenty two to three hundred and twenty four, with good carry into November at three hundred and thirty two to three hundred and thirty four. February 335 to 337, and May 21, 338 to 340. Feed barley values for August are 122 to 123, November 124 to 126, February 127 to 129, and May 21, 130 to 132. Indicative values for malting premiums on springs are circa £10. Thank you very much many thanks as always kit see you next week the farming program five
0: day forecast some hot afternoons to start the week with some heavy rain overnight monday light mostly northerly winds and mostly dry for the rest of the week some light rains possible later today but maybe only a millimeter or two warm sunshine for the most part this afternoon winds from the northeast at around 13 miles per hour Monday sees more northerly winds, quite light though, in single figures MPH, hot through the afternoon, highs of 26 Celsius, uh, but it's quite cloudy and some heavy rain is expected overnight into Tuesday, possibly 15 or 16 mil. After that, it's quite dry for the rest of the week. Tuesday, light winds again from the north, warm but partially cloudy, highs of 25 Celsius. Similar on Wednesday, a little bit breezier, dry with highs of 22 in the afternoon sun. Thursday turns a little bit cooler under cloudy skies, light north and staying dry. Highs of 17 Celsius, similar but a couple of degrees warmer on Friday. I'm venturing out of the studio this week for a day on the farm. I'll report back next Sunday. Thanks, as always, to our uh, contributors on the farming programme. If you miss Sean Sparling, he's away on holiday back in a couple of weeks' time. If you'd like to be involved, please do get in touch through the app or the website, and the podcast is now available on the usual platforms. I'm Steve Orchard. Until this time next week, stay safe, stay positive, and have a good farming week.